It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome in to another edition of the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor. With Rick Broering, as always, we talk local sports, some national topics. I know Rick's got some questions that people are going to ask me, which I'm always looking forward to that segment of the program. I've got to make a change from last week. And we welcome in a special guest from Local 12 Sports, Jed Demusi. Jed, how are you? We're doing this today on Zoom, so uh, uh, we've, we've done Skype the last couple of weeks, and we, we think this actually might be a little bit better, right, Rick? No, that's what I'm hoping. It sounds clear to me. All right, sounds like a plan. Jed, are you there? I'm here. Gentlemen, awesome. thanks, for, thanks for having me. It's awesome. You look, you look good. You got, you got like a 20-day growth going there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, I, I, was, I was texting with a good friend of mine before we started this podcast, and he mentioned that he just realized the last time he wore normal pants, like with belt loops or zippers or buttons, was March 18th. Do you know the last time you guys did? That's actually a really good question. It, it is funny. I will say this because I, I, when we, I, we did a Zoom the last couple of days with some Bengals people, Jed was on those. And, and I chose not to do video, but I did have to remind myself right before we did them, just in case somehow I actually did, did, didn't disable the video, that I put pants on. So that was kind of a start. I mean, I had to put some, I put short, I put summertime short pants on. Yeah, there, there were several people on that Zoom that, that probably should have disabled the video function. Uh, but um, I, I'm, I'm actually out a little bit doing stories and, and, and doing stuff. So I am kind of out in public sometimes. You are bathing then. So I am bathing. But, you know, you, you do have to give yourself like little treats. So, so I, I would typically shave you know, every day or every other day, but now you just kind of let it grow and then it feels good when you shave. Just kind of give yourself like, you know, little rewards along the way. So that's kind of. Yeah, I I do. I I go about three or four days without shaving and and then it does. It's like a great feeling. All of a sudden I take all the Methuselah off my face. I feel like I'm 15 years younger again. That's, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of the logic I'm going for with, you know, with no sports, the things to look forward to are, is a, cleanly shaven it's a good shave all right we got lots of topics to get to rick boring you are the master of ceremonies hit us off all right caesars released its college football win totals for the 2020 regular season so we're going to play a little over under with the local football teams and we'll start with the cincinnati bearcats the win totals for them eight and a half what do you guys say over or under for the Bearcats? I'm going barely over, but um, I think they got a couple of their tougher games on the road this year, do they not? UCF, I think, is a road game this year. They have to go to Nebraska, although I think that's a winnable, certainly more winnable non-conference game than, than Ohio State was last year. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over. Nine, nine or ten still feels right about the Bearcats. And th- this doesn't include any sort of postseason bowl games or anything. This is strictly regular season. Regular season. Correct. I, I, I'm, I would tend to go over as well. The thing that kind of surprised me when I saw that were, was they have UCF and Memphis much higher. I think Memphis, Memphis was like, like nine and a half or 10, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like 10 or 10 and a half. And, and UCF was 10 or something along those lines. I thought those two teams were way too high. I, I don't know necessarily, you know, Memphis is going to have a new coach. I, I get UC on the road you know, some tough games and, and uh, all that kind of stuff. But I just thought some of the other teams in that conference were, were way, way too high. But I, I, would, I would go over on the, on the eight and a half number for UC for sure. To me, it's simple. Two things. One, 
this Cincinnati team isn't going to regress as long as Luke Fickle is their head coach. So, I mean, their record may change by a game from year to year, but like for the most part, they are going to be at the top of this conference competing for American Athletic Conference championships every single year until Luke Fickle leaves. So with that alone, I'd be confident putting them at eight and a half. Second of all, the only big non-conference game is at Nebraska. So yeah, while it is, I guess, a tougher schedule because a couple of those games in conference are on the road this year, like there is not a difficult game in reality. There's no at Ohio State or anything. In reality, they could run the entire table looking at their schedule. So, yeah, I have no problem taking them at eight and a half. Um, Kentucky, seven is the win total for the Wildcats. What do you guys say? Over or under seven for UK? There is a belief that this might be the best team that Mark Stoops has had from a talent perspective, but you lost a supreme talent in Lynn Bowden. Uh, I, and honestly, if you wanted to put Lynn Bowden back at wide receiver, I'd say that, that's, a, that's still a big loss. But, but for what he did for that football team uh, was just incredible. I think defensively they're going to be really, really good. Um, I'm who, oh man, that's right on the number seven and five, eight. I, I'll go, I'll go over, but it wouldn't, I wouldn't feel good at about 10. I, I'd say eight would be the, the high end number for me, but I'll still go over, but boy, Lynn Bowden is a, that's a heck of a weapon to lose. Look, looking at their schedule, they're at Auburn. That's not going to be fun. Um, and obviously at, at Florida, at Tennessee, they get Georgia at home. And Tennessee should be better, yeah. I, I the, the thing is, is that they, they kind of got, you know, the, in the same sense as UC, the UC win total last year was, was way, way low. And I think it was way low for Kentucky. And it seems like they kind of adjusted properly maybe for Kentucky with that number at seven this year. Um, I, I still think they're, they're a little low for, for UC, but – yeah, I, I think I think the way that Kentucky was able to sort of figure some things out last year in the in the face of some incredible adversity at the quarterback position, you would think that if they get some things to kind of break their way, and maybe they're due for some things to break their way, that that over is maybe the play there. Yeah, I'm I'm shocked to hear you guys have as much trouble with this one. To me, I feel like this is Kentucky getting no respect because they're UK in the SEC and people just kind of look at them as the dregs of the conference year in, year out. The fact that Stoops won eight games last year despite being in a rebuilding year and not having a quarterback yet. Granted, Lynn Bowden was an outstanding talent skinny, but they had to just throw him in at the quarterback position. Certainly not an ideal circumstance for your offense. They won eight games with that team last year. They're going to be favored in eight or nine games if you look at yeah, their schedule well, this year. But I think I think based on what Jed said, if and you're right, I mean you go to Tennessee, you got you got Georgia at home, you got Florida on the road, Auburn on the road. I think those are all four games you probably won't be favored in. There, that's four potential losses right there. And then, then you're talking about there's not a lot of margin for error. I mean, you could be a good foot. This could be a really good Kentucky team and go seven and five. They won eight last year and return everybody. You can push on the seven because it's not even seven and a half. I would have zero reservations about taking the over on Kentucky at seven. Yeah, I, I think the other the other flip side. I mean, last year I can almost guarantee you they were going four and zero in the non league um, because Louisville had regressed. Well, Louisville got better as the year went on, and so that becomes a toss up game now. I, I just think the schedule the schedule hinders that. But yeah, I, I'm going over, but I'm not going over and feeling great about it. I, I do like the fact you're right. You can land on seven and get a push out of it. 
don't sleep on the fighting. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is right there in the middle of the schedule, Eastern Illinois. That's like a er- very early October 10th for, uh, for that SEC bye game. Yeah, that must be the bye week for everybody. The, the league has that one week where I think everybody but, but two teams plays the bye game. They must have moved it up this year. Yeah, that's, that's kind of a weird thing to, to see in the middle. I thought that was almost like the, the game before, but I guess with Louisville having to f- finish with them, it kind of maybe moves everything up a little bit. But Now, now, now here's my question before we get on to Ohio State for, for both of you. Why, why are we not thinking in terms of taking the under for all of this in case there's not much of a season of like five games? Skinny, come on, man. Why do you got to do that? We're trying to be positive here. We're trying to have a good time. Okay. I'm just trying to find ways to make money. <laughs> I, I, I don't my think you get action on that. Yeah, my guess would be, yeah, Darn that's, okay. that's off if, if, if that's not happening. I'm overthinking it then. All right, go ahead, Rick. Yeah, if we're still in that situation, I don't know if the casinos will be even be opened yet. That's a good call, too. Ohio State win total set at 11 for the Buckeyes. What do you guys say? Over, under 11 for Ohio State. Jed, you can go first on this one. I mean, that would be a – would that be a perfect regular season? No, what, uh, 12. 12. So be yeah, a, but if you're going over 11 – Yes, you're correct. Saying, right, yes, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, geez, that's <laughs> – I mean, anything can happen, for goodness sakes. It's kind of daunting to, to have that number uh, and, and, you know, to say they don't have any margin for error. I think it was, what, 10 and a half last year, if I'm not mistaken, I think. And we both – I think you and I both, Rick, went with the under just because of the schedule, and um, they wound up surpassing that. So, Yeah, I, I just think you're going to have that um, – you're going to have that, you know, Purdue on the road or that Big Ten West team on the road that, that potentially could trip you up. Uh, going to Oregon this year, um, man, I don't know. I, I – I would be inclined to to bet the – I mean, I would be inclined not to bet it at all because I do think if they could potentially go, you know, 11-1 and one with the schedule. But I would I would bet the under more than the over. That's just a big number for me. Yeah, I, I mean, I think this is a national championship caliber team. But at the same time, I'm, like, I'm with you. I mean, I, I think I'd, I'd bet the under um, because, again, if I if – I, take the over I'm going with zero margin for error if I bet the under in in, in a worst case scenario I would think 11 and one is a push I, I think I'd take the under with the thought of boy Oregon won't be easy on the road and you're right there's always that game in the big 10 where they either slip up and barely win um and then sometimes slip up and, and lose like they did to Purdue a couple of years ago I'm I'm going under but I, I that, that that 11 win total feels just about right Rick yeah, Jed has the right take. You don't bet this one. Um, if you're being forced to bet one way or the other, then you take the under because, like Kentucky, I don't see a scenario in which they go 12-0 and this year and you push on that 11 with them giving you the whole number. So I think you, you'd feel okay about the under just because it's unlikely any college football team is going to have back-to-back undefeated regular seasons. You're only one kind of – uh, slip-up game or wonky thing from happening from them losing two games uh, and then you win the bet. But I'm with Jed. I, I wouldn't bet it at all if it were up to me. And that and, uh, and, and you don't want a wonky thing to happen. You just don't need that. You don't need well, that. If, if, if we were including, you know, the potential for playoff wins, uh, I would feel a little more comfortable about that. Oh, sure. Because I think they could lose a game and – and still make the playoff and make a run because they're well they're go to the big national championship discussion every year. Yeah, you they know, go eleven and one. Go to the Big Ten championship game. There's twelve. Oh, go to yeah. the playoff. There's a potential thirteen. So yeah, if that was the case, I'm with you. But I, but if I it's just regular season, no way. 
I think if it was including postseason games, Vegas would have set this total at 12 and a half or 13. Then. Yeah, maybe, I, mean, they, yeah, maybe, I think right. they are very bullish on the Ohio State team, which so am I. I mean, I, I agree with you, Skinny. I think they can absolutely win the national championship and may should even be the favorites to do so. Um, but I, I picking any team over 11 wins is just pretty silly. <laughs> I was like, you're literally holding your breath other than, you know, some of those early buy games, you're holding your breath every week because you just have no margin for error. Right. And especially with Ohio state having come off the undefeated regular season, it's just right. unlikely you're going to do it back to back years. Yeah, good call. All right. Miami of Ohio up in Oxford. Some people are familiar with the program. They play in honor. the Mac, uh, their win total six and a half. Skinny, I'll go first on this one. I know where you're going with it. Oh, here we go. I'll here take we go. the under. Oh, you really? know why. Yeah. <laughs> it's simple hatred for Miami football. Isn't it a little ridiculous that they're getting six and a half? Don't you think that's high, Jed, even as a Miami homer? Well, I mean, they got to go to Clemson. I mean, they'll get Wake Forest. At, oh, no, sorry. Those are the Hurricanes. I always get this. <laughs> I'm just confused. Yeah, you should not get uh, them confused of all people. <laughs> I, I don't think – I mean, based on what they did last year, I mean, they, they've got a, they've got virtually everyone coming back off of a, um, do you know their non-conference Jen? What's that? What's their non-conference schedule other than UC? Non-conference. They start, uh, with Arkansas Pine Bluff. Right. That's a win. That's a win. Hold on. They're at Pitt to start the year. Okay. That's a, that's a 20% chance. I'll, I'll, yeah, that's probably an L. UC's probably an L. Pitt, and then they got Pitt, the, I feel like Pitt is it's gettable. It's it's gettable, but it's probably yeah, not they, gonna be gotten. They never, they're never like a, a team that's that like gains momentum as the season goes along. They're always like the team that's three games under the under five hundred and, and then they pop up and beat, you know, Clemson or or they they kind of have a game. Is, 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 never, is, Pre, is Presbyterian back on the schedule or is it Catholic this year? Which one do they got? Arkansas Pine Bluff and then uh, Cincinnati and then they've got uh, they'll go to Akron which I think Akron's over under win total was two. Oh, they only have three. They only have three. No, no, no. no. And then they've got they'll Army. they'll come back out of conference and host Army. Oh, that's right. Um, oh boy. So that's a potential one in three non-league though, right? Potential. Potential one in three. I mean, they're not. I, I doubt, doubt very highly that they can. I'm going over. I think the segment over. has hit its allotted time at this point. We make I'm going over. Go Redhawks. Love and honor. Where are you going, Jed? I think I think they I'm going over as well. They're they're gonna be the, the I mean, I think they they have to be the odds on favorite to to repeat in the Mac for sure. There we go. All right. Guys, let's uh, stay on the subject of football, but switch to NFL. Bengals head coach Zach Taylor spent 30 minutes talking to the local media over Zoom on Wednesday as the team announced it had reached agreements with eight unrestricted free agents. During that time, Taylor's asked about Andy Dalton, the new pickups in free agency, and the possibility of trading the number one pick. Both of you guys were on that call, so I'll ask you, what did you guys think was the biggest takeaway from Wednesday's conversation with Zach Taylor? And Jed, I know you had a, a long conversation with him one-on-one this week too, so feel free to add in anything that you uh, took away from that. Yeah, Jed, you can start because you actually got him one-on-one for a little bit there. Yeah. Um, I, you know, he, he's the type of guy who just makes the best of it. It just seems like he just has a really positive attitude and, and, you know, if you spent time around him last year in some of the scenarios that played out for 
for him as a first year head coach a season ago, you know, he kind of had every right to bristle at people and to be less than courteous. And I don't think you ever really saw that. And I think that kind of is carrying over to this year where he just, he's, he's, coaches talk about it all the time, focusing on the things that you can control. And I think he's just, he's really locked into that mentality. I asked him, you know, how does this whole situation with the potential of maybe not seeing AJ Green practice at all before having to decide whether or not you're going to extend him? How does that make you feel? And he was like, not worried about it. Not worried about it right now. You know, he, he just, even though, you know, that it has the potential to be, you know, a, a really tough scenario if, if they can't ever watch him practice, he, he just seems to take everything in stride. I think that was my big takeaway is that he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's steady at the wheel, I guess I would say. Yeah, it, it was, it's funny. Um, he got on the call. The call was scheduled for 2 o'clock, and he got on there about one fifty-three. He was early, which was good. And um, I was talking to, to one of the Bengals media relations people after the thing, and, and he sat there for a good seven or eight minutes, and, and you kind of put him up on the video on your screen because he's the subject matter, and that's who you're talking to. And I kept watching him thinking, man, any second now this guy's going to just lose it because he's been sitting here for six or seven minutes really doing nothing, waiting for everybody to join the call. And I, I said, can you imagine if Marvin had to wait seven or eight minutes for us? There's, there's no way. That, he would have never sat there as patiently as Zach Taylor sat there yesterday. Um, and then, yeah, spent 30 minutes. And honestly, he probably could have gone another 30 minutes if we kept – I mean, if it hadn't been cut off. And, and it was the time to cut it off. But, um, yeah, I, I, you're right, Jed. He does. He seems to try to make everything as positive as possible. I think a couple of things. One, kind of what we talked about, Rick, with the Von Bell signing of what to do with the three safeties. And it sounds like, we, yeah. like we said, I think you're going to see a plan for that three safety look as much as possible, especially on, on, uh, on uh, passing situations, passing down situations, because it just gets you another hybrid type player on the field. Um, very high on Von Bell. I guess the big takeaway was the, the, the concept of maybe keeping Andy Dalton, which I've told you I don't believe because they can't afford it. I mean, they have to make a, a – a monetary move, a significant monetary move, just to get themselves back to the to the cap wiggle room. I will say, after looking at DJ Reader's contract um, for this year, it's really not that bad. I, I was shocked, and they can get out of it after a couple of years with some significant cap savings. Believe it or not, there's a big base salary on the end of his contract. So, um, and that didn't come up from Zach. That just was looking at his contract. I, I, th- that signing ended up being better than I thought for at least year one financially. But yeah, I, I just. I, I thought he, Jim, maybe I'm wrong. I thought he kind of hemmed it hard around the Andy thing without rolling Andy under the bus. It was more, the question was, would it be worth keeping Andy around because, you know, you may not have time to get a rookie quarterback ready. I didn't think he went all in with both feet in Andy's camp. I think he said the right thing because Andy is on the roster and he said, listen, all options are on the table. I'm not sure what else he was going to say to that, to that question. Did you? No. Yeah. I, I think you're, you're right. And the fact that he comes across as very sort of happy to be there is not sort of a commentary on his ability to sort of keep the media at bay, which is, which is what he did. Um, I think it was, I'm not sure who asked the question. I think, but yeah. I think Jeremy Rao asked the question. It was, it was a good question. Jeremy asked the question, but uh, the other question about Von Bell, I think the first question was, what, what are your plans with Von Bell? And he right. said, to play safety. And then, <laughs> The person asking the question sort of, you know, elaborated. Is he going to be? Is going to be? Okay, a, is he going to be a starter? Yeah. Yeah. Is he going to start? Is Sean Williams moving a linebacker? 
you know, so it was kind of like, well, and, and then Zach said, I don't think we're really comfortable with uh, disclosing sort of how we plan on doing that. If I'm a Bengals fan, my big takeaway is sort of, I think he touched on this at the end. And it, it, I, I think this off season more so than, than really any in, in recent past, when he says the things that we've done in free agency allow us to look at the draft and not necessarily draft based on need, but based on sort of what our board says. And you can hear a lot of coaches say that, but I think honestly, when Zach said it, I believed it because of what they did in this free agency period that they are going into the draft. You know, obviously I think, you know, the haze out of the barn with the number one overall pick, but I think Bengals fans can feel Is confident it? going forward. Yeah, I would say so. But I, I think Bengals fans should feel confident going forward that they've, they've used this free agency period as an opportunity to, to plug some of the holes that they had. And, and they're not going into the draft really with just sort of so many gaping hole I would say linebacker probably is 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 one right now but I and do there are a, they, and there and there are a lot of third fourth round linebackers and this gives you right. the chance to to go there and, and attack it there I think I mean honestly if you really want to be honest about the whole thing when when you look at at who would start this year really the only potential rookie to start would be Joe Burrow if they take him number one which we expect him to do I think everybody else that's taken is probably a, a depth guy or a longer term guy and and um, you couldn't say, I mean, last year you had to plug Michael Jordan in the starting lineup, right? I mean, you had to plug a couple of young guys and you had to plug Jermaine Pratt in the starting lineup. So I think that's what free agency did allow them. It does allow them that, that luxury a little bit to go, okay, we, this guy is, is high on our board. I mean, wide receiver, we, we talked about it last week, Rick. Um, you know, if AJ Green only plays on the franchise tag and this will be the last year for John Ross, you could potentially have neither one in 2021 and in a deep wide receiver class, maybe this does allow you if you don't trade out of that top of the second round or maybe even if you do trade backwards and get a couple second round picks to get a really quality wide receiver for the future that, that you don't have to plug in right away so I think that that is what free agency did allow them to do for sure this is related to what you guys are talking about there but so much of the conversation over Marvin Lewis's tenure was whether or not he had control over the team or whether or not he was getting what he wanted from the front offense or if, or if it was the Brown family and, and Mike Brown and Katie Blackburn who were running the the whole franchise into the ground and, and not listening to the needs of the coaching staff. Where do you guys feel that is right now? Do you, I mean, obviously Zach Taylor was saying all the right things uh, to the media yesterday in terms of what they did in free agency, but do you feel like he thinks uh, the football guys have control right now of the roster and the decisions they're making? I, I, I thought he came off that way a little bit. I mean, I, he did have the one thing where he said there was a, what, a couple stressful days where um, it's, it's agents dealing with the people in our building who deal with the agents and that's not the coaches. So, um, but, but it sounded like they had a wish list and they had a, a laundry list of guys they wanted. And we could argue they probably should have attacked linebacker and, but they went with DJ reader and that took a big chunk of money right off the table right away. I, it, he sounded very excited about they, they got who they basically attacked to go get. And, and to a certain extent, a coach says that every time. But there's actually evidence just based on activity that when Zach says it, he's, he's being sort of a little more forthright. You know, Marvin would say, yeah, we, we addressed the needs we wanted to in free agency, and all they had to show for it was Kevin Minter. 
you know, no offense to him, but I mean, that was well, actually, one of yeah, to him. actually offense to him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, when a coach says, yeah, we, I feel good about this free agent class that we brought in and the free agent class is one guy and he's a mid thirties linebacker. Well, it's like, really, you know, who's running the show here? But when a coach says that and they've got eight guys and, and six on the defensive side of the ball, and you know an overhaul of a of a secondary defensively i mean you, you can only right or wrong now are all of these guys going to pay off and are all of these guys going to be worth the money who knows i mean only, only time will tell but the fact that we're even having this discussion the fact that there are you know some big ticket items that the bengals were willing to splurge on in free agency is is a step in the direction of the personnel department to answer your Question. I mean, I don't even know if this is arguable. I mean, basically, they, they got five defensive starters. Reader, yeah. Bynes, Mackenzie Alexander, if you count him as a slot corner starter, um, Trey Waynes, and Von Bell. You got five defensive starters, basically, out of this free agency class. That's a lot. All yeah. right. Jed mentioned uh, gaping holes before, which is a perfect transition to talk about Rob Manfred and uh, Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball and its players are increasingly focused on a plan that could allow them to start the season as early as May and has the support of high-ranking federal public officials who believe the league can safely operate amid the coronavirus pandemic, according to a report by ESPN. The plan would dictate that all 30 teams play games at stadiums with no fans in the Phoenix area, including the Arizona Diamondbacks Chase Field, 10 spring training facilities, and perhaps other nearby fields. Players, coaching staffs, and other essential personnel would be sequestered at local hotels where they would live in relative isolation and travel only to and from the stadium, according to sources. Among the possibilities that have also been discussed include implementing an electronic strike zone to allow the plate umpire to maintain sufficient distance from the catcher and batter, no mound visits from the catcher or pitching coach. Seven inning doubleheaders with an earlier than expected start date could allow baseball to come closer to a full 162 game season. Regular use of on field microphones by players as an added TV bonus. Players sitting in the empty stands six feet apart as opposed to the dugout. My question for you guys is do you like baseball's possible solution to restarting as early as May that was floated out this week? I, I like the idea. I'd love to see baseball in May, but um, have either one of you guys ever been to Phoenix in May and June and July and August? Any either one of you? It sounds hot. No, I, I've been I've been to Phoenix in uh, November February. and yeah. in February, and that's been plenty for me. As uh, yeah. the great Sir Mixalot once said, "Phoenix, Arizona, puts the heat up on you." <laughs> that it does. I mean, construction workers start their day at five in the morning so they can get out of the sun by like 11. Um, so yeah, as long as we're okay to wake up and watch baseball at eight in the morning or for them be six in the morning or uh, whatever, or, or, or midnight. Great. I mean, the only stadium there that's temperature controlled is the one the Diamondbacks play and everything else is outdoors. I, I think that's a logistical issue. I think the other one is this, and I know they're talking about what expanding rosters, right? But let's just say, and certain teams have it, you have a rash of injuries and you're depleted that that expanded roster is down to an unmanageable roster. Where, where are we getting extra players from? Where, what are we doing with minor league guys? Because they can't play. They can't be ready to play. Where are we getting them from? Anyone? Bueller? Yeah. And it, here's the other part of this that, that just kind of makes me scratch my head is if you're doing this amidst this pandemic and you have this many people involved, the likelihood that one person mm -hmm. is going to contract this is, is, in my opinion, in my uneducated 
you know, I, I didn't go to school f- to be a, a medical doctor, but I would think just law of averages would say one person would get it. And then you have to shut the whole thing down. Exactly. And, and, exactly. and now, you've, now you've got 30 clubs with this many people, this many personnel, you know, and it's like you can't, you can't put enough safeguards in place in the midst of this to prevent this from, to prevent this from happening. You there's can't part, do there, it. And there's a part of me that thinks baseball floated this out there through Jeff Passan to right. see what everybody's reaction was going to be. And I think for a lot of people initially, when I first heard it, Rick, I don't know about you, when I first heard it, I'm like, oh, that sounds awesome. And then you start thinking of all the logistics. It's like, that's going to be really hard to pull off. Yeah, I think a lot of people went through that same process. And Jed's point about one person getting it is a great one because yes. look at the NBA. When they found out that yep. one guy had it, all of a sudden it was like all these writers, all these officials, every team that had played in the same gym, it was been in the same locker room in the past two weeks. I mean, like the, the ripple effect of finding out one NBA player had it and then two and three NBA players had it was huge. Could you imagine if they're all willingly putting themselves in that situation, knowing someone's probably going to have it or has it already and doesn't know? Yeah, they said they're going to test them all ahead of time. But, I mean, at the end of the day, the idea of putting these guys on total lockdown for four and a half months is just an insane human experiment. It's cruel and unusual. Now, granted, some of these guys would probably like to get out of their houses and away from raising their kids and being with their wives day in and day out that they're having to deal with right now. But for the most part, I, I think it's probably a, a bit cruel and unusual to, to do something like that. Do, do, well, they get conjugal, do, do they get conjugal visits too? <laughs> I, I think that would end your whole uh, sequestered quarantine situation there. <laughs> I know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I know, I know Skinny's joking there, but, but who's policing this sequester? Like, you know, oh, hey, actually, you know, this, it's my dad's 75th birthday, and he just wanted to come in and watch this one game, and he was hanging out at the hotel. I mean, is there, are we going to have, like, people signing in and signing out of hotel rooms? And it's just, it's just illogical and impractical actually, to think that you're just going to sequester everyone for that long. Actually, I think I just solved a lot of the issues uh, now that we mention it. I would imagine there are some really nice – dance clubs down in like maybe the Miami area that are out of work right now and, and can't be open for business because they're not considered essential. Um, they got to be carriers. They got to be carriers of more than just coronavirus though. Well, but you, you know, a lot of baseball players are willing to take that chance and already well, do. Call. So I say you just fly out a group of those uh, dancers out to, uh, and maybe other professional workers um, out to the Phoenix area test them along with the baseball players and just keep them sequestered as well. It gets them paid. They, they get some business back and the, the players are taken care of. No conjugal <laughs> and, visits and, needed. And paternity suits abound. <laughs> well, yeah, a little bit of the uh, coronavirus baby boom will, will be happening out there. <laughs> there in Phoenix. You, exactly. Yeah, there you go. I, I mean, I, again, was it exciting to hear that that was a concept and possibility? Would I love to, if we're going to still be going through this for another couple of months, be able to watch a live sporting event like Major League Baseball, sure, but I just the, the practicality of it just sounds crazy. Well, let's just say like they get to whatever point, you know, July or around the All Star break, and and all the health officials agree, okay, it's safe to go back. Now maybe they won't have st- fans in the stands, but okay, you can you can play games. Do you what do you think about the idea of like the seven inning double headers and things like that? Are you in on that? Are you out on that? What do you think? I think if you did it 
one or two days a week to catch up a few games. I just don't think if you, if you start the season in July, let's just set ourselves for a hundred game season and, and to get to hundred games, it's going to require, um, you know, 13, 14 double headers, those seven inning double headers. That, that's fine. But no, I mean, I, and, and again, I think we talked about this last week. I mean, you had a strike shortened year in, in, in 1972. You had a strike shortened year in, in 1980, 81. You, I mean, you've had the, you had the, you had the year end in 1994, for goodness sakes, 95 started a little bit late. So I, I look, do we want 162 games and records and records? To be, yes, we do, but it just, it's not going to be practical. Just let's deal with the situation at hand, which is if you start in July and here's how many games are left and you can add 13 double headers to get to a nice round number of hundred. Let's do that. But I don't need five double headers a week. I don't think teams do either. I do think it's funny that, that, and I'm not defending the Houston Astros, but I mean, they, they kind of made out like a bandit. In this no doubt. Yeah, Everyone's thank. completely forgotten about them, but I do like the people who are saying, how does the, the fact that major league baseball didn't strip them of their title, they didn't vacate their title. Those are the same people now saying, yeah, I'll take a five inning game underwater. It doesn't matter. We just need baseball back. It doesn't matter. You know, it's like, okay. You know? So let's, let's not pretend that there haven't been strike shortened seasons and that the sanctity of baseball hasn't been compromised before. I think if there's a way to safely get it done, I don't care what they do. I really don't, but I just don't know if there's a safe way to get it done. Yeah, I think that's probably the the biggest obstacle, obviously, is just getting to the point where you can do this in a a safe manner. Um, As a Reds fan, I'm all for this because this is the best opportunity to have something crazy happen and and potentially like this will be the best chance if they get back to playing baseball and play a shortened season that I'll probably have in my lifetime to see the Reds win a World Series, if I'm being honest. If I was a fan of like a good team, I would be absolutely pissed and say, no, like, don't play it. I don't want uh, a year on anyone's contract to go by or anything like that. I just want to start where things left off next season because I don't want an asterisk next to my team's name if they win the World Series. And I also don't want anything weird to happen where we have this loaded team and we didn't. I'm like, you know, if you're thinking of the Yankees right now or someone like that, I would not want this season to start and be played under weird circumstances like that. What would you think if you were a Detroit Tigers fan? <laughs> You're just looking forward to 2041. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, for some of those bad teams, you're like, yeah, let's just, let's just move on to the next, next – let's let January come, come about. Um, I will say this for the Reds. The good news is they can't get off to a 1-8 and eight start in April. <laughs> right? That's a good point. So there we go. There's good. I'm a good news kind of guy, Rick. Yeah, you're you're really bringing the positive energy here. All right, Skinny. Oh, go ahead, Jed. You got something else to well, add? I guess I guess my question would be is if I guess looking at alternatives, I would certainly be all for playing in Arizona in November if they wanted to sort of open yes. up this and extend the yeah. season and figure out a way to to get it closer to 162. I think that's the the viable option if we can start here in in July and then maybe you know, push the season back to November or, you know, possibly even December, um, you know, that I would be okay with that, but I don't think we can go to Arizona now. Well, I mean, I, I, a lot of listeners are too young for this, but 1981, they had a split season. You had a first half champ and a second half champ, and then they played off to, to, to move on in the playoffs. The Reds had the best record in baseball that year, didn't win either half and didn't make it. I mean, I don't see an asterisk by that season. So, I mean, we, we've had to deal with stuff like this before. Okay, Boomer. 
Former Cincinnati Bearcats and current West Virginia Mountaineers head coach Bob Huggins suggested starting the 2020-21 college basketball season with the NCAA tournament during an appearance on 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh. Quote, let's face it, there's a great chance we're not going to have college football. Putting that many people together is going to be rough. I wouldn't want to have to make that decision, so why don't we start the season off with the NCAA tournament, Huggins said. The NCAA can get its money and distribute it to the schools. It solves a lot of problems. They know who was in it and who was going to play who. They know where we were going to play. What? It's going to take three weekends? Big deal. Really, kids aren't going to miss class that much. You're going to basically play on the weekends. As for the seniors on last year's teams, Huggins says, let them come back and play. Why can't you make it to the make it why can't you make it their choice? We had three seniors. I guarantee you all three would want to play and it would fill a void that was left when they couldn't. I don't see what that would hurt to let those guys play. Skinny, Jed, do you agree with Huggins' idea to play this past year's NCAA tournament out before the start of next year's season? Let me ask this. Do you think that Tyrese Maxey and Ashton Hagens want to possibly get hurt in an NCAA tournament before they go make money? Well, no, I think that's why Huggins wants to do this because his team will have a chance to win. <laughs> I guess that's what <laughs> all the good put, players are leaving. That's, that's exactly, the thing. exactly. I, look, again, would we like some closure for last year? Sure, we would. We're not going to get it. I mean, East Tennessee State will be in the final four. <laughs> exactly. Um, against Lipscomb. I mean, it's just it, 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 the feasibility of it isn't there. He got in the Woodford Reserve a little bit too much before he probably did that, that interview. And Well, uh, but, uh, but to his credit, I'm happy and, and maybe I am full that he wasn't so far into the Woodford reserve that he wasn't able to have this clarity and have uh, do this interview. Like I'm, I'm happy that Huggins is still in the, the public eye right now. That's a good, yeah, that's a good call. That's least, a win yeah, for us. Yeah, it's true. I just, again, it's kind of like the baseball. It sounds great when you first hear it, right? You're like, Oh, cool. We Not really. Th- this never but, really but, sounded great. This sounded okay, like yeah. one of the dumber things I've ever heard. Yeah, from the moment just, it came out of his mouth. The, the feasibility of it's impossible. It's just, it's not going to work. I think I think Bob is is not really uh, looking at everything uh, in totality because I think clear Virginia, eyes. I don't think I don't think West Virginia is testing people, so the, he's looking around and saying, "Oh, there's only six cases here. Like, what's the big deal? Like, let's just keep everything rolling." I, I think I I just I as much as as Skinny was saying, as much as we would want sort of some closure on that. I just think it's, it's gone. Like we just, you're not going to be able to, to, to figure out a way to bring it back logistically. There's too many hoops to jump through. There's too many guys who are going to be gone. You know, I, I, I don't think Obi Toppin is coming back to play for Dayton. I, I just don't think that's happening. And it just, it doesn't make a lot of sense, even though, you know, the old college try for Bob, I suppose. Yeah, and in fairness to him, I don't think he meant this as like, hey, it's going to be closure for last season or it's going to be an accurate representation of what last year's NCAA tournament would have been. I think it was more of an idea of like, hey, let's do something unique as a fundraiser for the NCAA because they don't have enough money. And without college football being played, we're going to be in the hole. They're going to need to find ways to pay out some of these uh, athletic departments. And so that's sort of what he was saying there is like, let's have the NCAA tournament to make all the money off it, get everyone fired up about basketball season, especially in a year where maybe no one's playing football. It could create a little more buzz. It's not as ridiculous. I don't think like if you, if you really hear the full explanation at the same time, I just don't think there's any way it, it works out. And plus like you guys mentioned, I mean, Think about Dayton having to play in that thing without Obi Toppin, knowing what they missed out on just a few months ago. 
I just don't see a way that it's good for the sport or the fans. All right, speaking of that, I want to spin off of one thing, and that it's come up with you know the NFL if it plays this fall, college football if it plays this fall, kind of the Arizona with the with the baseball not before fans. I know the NFL people were kind of along the lines of, yeah, just bring NFL football back, whether there's fans or not, we don't care. But there were a lot of split decisions on the college football circumstance. I mean, can they can they play? Should they play college football without the fans? I. I think if they can safely play in terms of, you know, because we got to consider TV contracts as well as, as you know, financial uh, windfalls for these schools. I, and they're going to need the money. I mean, they are going to – I mean, this, this past year hurt is, is going to wind up hurting some athletic departments big time. Oh, and there's no question. And, and it, what else is going to hurt these athletic departments and talking to some of our local ones is the fact that these spring sport athletes get another year. And where does that money come from? Um, you know, I, I mean, the college football for a lot of schools, you know, puts the entire year in the black uh, financially. Yeah. So, you know, to, to consider you've got another, uh, you've got basically five classes of spring sport athletes that you're going to have to figure out what to do with scholarships. You're, you're adding more to their plate when there's nothing being cooked in the kitchen right now in terms of revenue coming in, it's, it's, if they can do it without fans, I think that they've, they've, they almost have to just so that something is, you know, in the accounts receivable side for, for some of these schools. And I don't know how you figure out TV contracts or whatever. I mean, people are going to be so glued to sports on television when they come back that maybe the NCAA and, and the SEC and member, you know, conferences go to these teams and say, Hey, you guys are, you guys are going to be able to jack up the price for ads. Maybe let's, you know, just can, is there anything we can work out where I know that we're in the midst of this 10 year agreement, but can we figure out a way to kind of make it worth our while this year, considering that there are no fans in the stands. I think that's a fair point because I do think a ton of people are going to be watching as a result of all this at the same time, especially if they can't go to the games in person, obviously, and can't tailgate. But at the same time, the NCAA or more more accurately, I guess I should say, the, the TV networks are going to say, okay, but our economy is crashing and we're not getting the ad dollars that we were expecting to get either. So while we have all these eyeballs, we're not really going to see a profit off of those because people still can't afford to pay more for ads. It's going to be a mess. I mean, just any way you slice it, it is going to be a mess for everyone involved. And uh, there are a lot of things that are going to have to be figured out logistically. I have to think the NCAA and the way they've profited off of athletes in the past and will continue to do so in the future will be able to find a way to figure it out financially. I think so. If, if we're talking about the idea that there are, you know, essential personnel playing football, that restaurants will be open. You know, I, I think that is, is, you know, potentially, uh, easy to kind of wrap your head around. But, you know, when you talk about getting 60, 70,000 plus fans in, in the stands, that's probably a no go. But if there is a scenario where two teams can play, then, then maybe some of these businesses are, are open in the process. And, well, I, I, think do, and I, I do, I do wonder how uneasy fans will be once we get back to that 
portion of it, right? I mean, will you will you think twice about? I don't want to be next to the guy that close. I, I, I mean, honestly, I, I think there'll be a faction of fans that'll be in that camp too. Just says it'll be. You know slow. what? There's enough on at home. I'll watch. I'll watch from home. Yeah, it, it'll be a slow creep, I think. But at, yeah. at a certain point, I mean, look, we're still red-blooded Americans who love Budweiser and red meat and sports, and they're going to show up at these games and quit caring. I mean, heck, we can't get people to stay out of parks right now as it is with all this stuff going on. So there's still a a huge percentage of our population that aren't really that worried about things like this. And to be honest, I'd say probably a good 40 to 50% of the people that are quarantining right now are doing so just so they're not publicly shamed. Like they're not really doing it because they believe it's the right thing and they need to keep themselves safe and, and should be doing it for everyone else. They're doing it because they know people look down upon them if they're seen out in public. The only other thing I would say is, is my fear would be if I'm a league that, or, or an entity that decides to do something without fans is, and, and trust me, I'm in that group, and maybe I'm just spoiled because I sit in press boxes now, nowadays as opposed to sitting in the stands like I did when I was a kid. But if you gave me a choice of going to a game or watching it from home, I'm watching it from home. And it's not because of this. I, it's just I don't want the hassle of parking. I don't want the hassle of, of walking to my seat and having somebody climb over me and vice versa. I just, I've gotten over that. And, and that would be my fear is people all of a sudden go, Damn, this watching from home is pretty good stuff. Well, look, we've already been creeping that way for a long time, right? right? Yeah, I mean, right. you have yeah, the NFL right. ticket, you have right. all these other TV packages, all they've done to make the experience at home so good. And uh, it's really separated itself from the going to the game live experience. I think the one thing that's really saving like college football is the tailgating experience. So you'll still have that. I think that'll always be there, but it, but it is an interesting point skinny that at some point is this finally the one thing that people are a little scared initially to go back to the stadium. So they stay at home for those first several weeks or this whole first season back. And then all of a sudden they just never end up going back to the games. It's possible. I don't think it'll happen in college football, but with a lot of other sports, I think it's possible. And, and I think too, the, the, the thing is, is that, you know, it's kind of the, the catch 22 of the whole scenario, the people who aren't staying home and, and kind of abiding by this, who would go out and, and wouldn't have any trepidation of being among people. Those are the people that are preventing that from happening quicker. Um, so, you know, I, I just, I think, I think the worst case scenario is obviously nothing happening. No, absolutely no way for, for any, for anyone to sort of recover any money lost. Um, but I, I think, I think definitely college football should should be warm up to the fact that the worst case scenario is not playing games without fans in the stands. I would agree. All right, the PGA announced a reconfigured 2020 schedule on Monday featuring the cancellation of the Open Championship and new dates for the three remaining major championships. The PGA Championship will be the year's first major on August from August 6th to the 9th. The U.S. Open will take place September 17th through the 20th, and the Masters has been moved to November 12th to the 15th. The Ryder Cup will remain September 25th through the 27th, while the FedEx Cup playoffs have been pushed back one week to begin on August 10th. Both of you guys are big golf fans, so do you like the way this schedule sets up with golf's major championships competing against college and NFL football games and, heck, who knows, potentially even Major League Baseball this uh, fall? I, I'm I'm glad that they're going to play, but I can't tell you I'm jazzed up for the Masters in November like I would be in April. I mean, the, the, the Masters, to me, always is that start of, literally the start of spring, the time to start thinking about going out and playing myself. It just, it's just, it, it always falls the right spot in the calendar for, for all of us. 
you get back then to start competing with football and, and, and other sports at that time, I mean, depending on how far baseball goes into it, I, I think it's a big ask. I, I, again, I'm glad they're going to play. I just can't tell you I'm as excited for, for either one of the, the – the PGA to me is never – I don't get goosed about that. But um, I, I won't have the same fervor to watch the U.S. Open and the Masters as I would in, in normally. I mean, usually for the Masters, I make sure I've got two laptops going, a TV going. I mean, I'm watching different groups. I, uh, I, I just love the, the tournament. I just don't think I'd have the same fervor come November. I'm glad they're playing it, though. Jed, you probably have a different take on that. Uh, I'm, 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 I guess I'm, I'm maybe a little more similar to, to the way you feel about it. Um, I'm glad that they're attempting to, to make it, to give it a go. Um, I think the other thing in that PGA release that's interesting is the, the, the tour as a whole is planning on coming back the first week of June at the Memorial in, in Columbus. Um, and, and as far as I know, that's sort of, the first sporting event, maybe. Yeah. Um, really of, of any, I mean, you guys can tell me if I'm wrong. I know the OHSAA sent something out that, 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 uh, put together a, something that, uh, like a baseball a spring sports season for baseball. Uh, if you know, everything is over by May, which it's not going to be. So I don't necessarily consider that to be, uh, viable, but, at the memorial without fans, they they, they specified right. that it's going to be without fans, but that could be the first thing back. As it relates to the Masters, you know the other the other kind of weird thing about this is um, the the PGA Tour season is over at the Tour Championship at the end of the FedEx Cup. So basically, you would have two U.S. Opens and one PGA season and two Masters. Um, it, I think the conditions at Augusta would be different, completely different. Yep. Um, and the other, the other thing that, um, this may not be that big of a deal, but it could potentially be something they've already closed the, they've already closed sort of the, the qualifier. So if you they did, they, they, they did for the masters, if they, I, you know, I didn't see what they did with the U S open though. Are they having sectional qualifiers at some point? Or are we done? I don't know how you have a U.S. open without having sectional qualifiers. Agreed, that's the whole Cause it's an, it's an open it. tournament. Yeah. That's the whole point of calling it an open um, but there could, you know, let's, let's play a scenario out in, in, uh, in June and some guy we've never heard of catches fire and wins, let's say he wins two tournaments and he's, you know, top 10 on the money list, but he didn't qualify for the masters right, right. in April. So he's going to be on the bench when they played in November. I, I, I commend everyone for making a, a best effort here. And I, I can tell you this, I will be watching the masters if they end up playing it in November, without a doubt, I'm not, I'm not going to have any problem with that. Um, but I do think that, uh, th- that it is going to be weird. It, it's going to be different. And I talked to Jim Herman and he kind of said, you know, I don't know if I really want to play this in, in November, the, the UC grad who, who would uh, obviously be, be um, eligible to play. He qualified. Um, so, and, and in terms of it competing with the NFL and in different sports, you know, I made the joke that they, I mean, they would honestly, for the final round on Sunday, they would almost have to do it like they did it last year because there was weather coming in. Those tea times would have to be moved up and you, I mean, you'd want to present that green jacket as close to noon or one o'clock as you could. 
or, yeah, or vice versa, or we, or we see the back nine like we used to see the back nine. That's it. You have the NFL game on from one to four, and we get to watch the back nine. Yeah, I, I just think you, you would almost want to be clear and avoid the NFL uh, altogether if you, if you possibly could, at which point, you know, Jim Nance would have to hope there's an AFC team in Atlanta that week, and he would just get, like, a police <laughs> escort for the 425 start. But, you know, that, that presents a whole other set of problems because, you know, the CBS agreement with Augusta National is, in, is a handshake agreement. And, you know, their agreement with the NFL is not a handshake Iron agreement. So, yeah. Yeah. So if they're, you know, push comes to shove there, hey, sorry, Augusta, I know that we've been partners for however long, but – you know, we're not we're not going to care. We're not going to just have a Sunday during the NFL season where we're not carrying games. So you guys can either move up the tee times or, you know, get ready for uh, CBS Sports Network. Yeah, well, and you guys are both one big golf fans, like legitimately care about the sport and and are interested in it. And two, you also will both have to be covering the NFL. So that probably makes it especially tough for you guys that you'll be working um, instead of, you know, kind of springtime, a little bit more downtime for you, especially skinny, I know. Um, For me, though, I think it's interesting because golf is probably going to be the first sport back, as you mentioned, Jed. So I'll care about it more than I ever have when it comes back. I'll probably bet on some golfing events because there's nothing else going on so that'll get my attention a little bit and then i actually see this as like especially that masters weekend when you have nfl going on and masters at the same time and it's not going to be great weather around here because it's going to be mid-november everyone's going to be inside twitter is going to be going nuts and it's going to be about both sporting events not just the nfl and world series maybe and we could have baseball going on too. For me, I think it's going to become more and about game, this. And game seven of the NBA Finals. <laughs> Potentially. I mean, who knows, right? So, like, to me. And Bob, Hug- and Bob Huggins' basketball NCAA tournament. I mean, all of it going on one weekend. Well, in all seriousness, by the time November 12th rolls around, we'll be playing college basketball games, assuming I hope. it sticks yeah. to a normal schedule. So, like, it, to me, this will be more about an unprecedented, like, a surreal sporting weekend than it will be, like, golf. And it'll somehow make me care more about the Masters and golf in doing so. I think I'll engage more in, on social media and watch it more than I otherwise would have. So I am actually all in on this, but I completely understand the, the viewpoint of the diehard fan who says, eh, this is not ideal, but I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. The other, the other thing, too, and, and you know, you're going to get if, – if they play the Masters, people will show up, but – you know, if they're going to try to give it a go in the memorial, in the memorial, I mean, I know it's the memorial, and that's you know considered one of the upper tier non-major tournaments in golf. Roy McIlroy's not showing up. I mean, you're not getting the the big name guys who don't have to play. They're they're going to look at that and say, I'm not going to risk. I mean, this is still a, a legitimate thing. I'm not going to risk getting this virus playing in the memorial. So while it, it could come back in June, it, it's going to be, you know, the Tommy Gainies of the world and the, you know, the guys who are looking and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's going to be guys that, that need that paycheck right, as opposed to the Dustin Johnson's and Tiger Woods and, and, you know, some of the big names, at least I, I don't think. Well, and, and, and for some of those guys like Rory McIlroy, there's travel restrictions maybe still. So there's that too. All right, let's get to our favorite time of the show. It's time for hashtag Ask Skinny Anything, the segment of the show where you can submit questions for Richard Skinner 
on Twitter, and we will ask him whatever you want us to ask him. Jed is also here, so uh, people... I, I, I've got one from last week I want to change, though, Rick. Can I do that? Yeah, Ooh. what what is well, it? Well, I, 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 did a lot more, I did a lot more thinking of it, which was the question of if you could be a, a TV or movie character, who would you be? And I said James Bond. And I thought longer yeah, and harder. Yeah, a lot about the coitus there for you, I think. Yeah, I'm going, I'm going Kojak. And for those who don't know Kojak, Google him. He was a 70s TV cop. He was a dude. Kojak is who I want to be. Okay, that's a good note. Also, someone pointed out to me after listening to the podcast, actually, it might have been Jed Demusi, that you wouldn't actually be able to get to the money on a Brinks truck after yeah. uh, robbing the guy. So Why not? Because I guess they don't, don't have they access have, like, to the truck. Or the yeah, money. don't they have like three-step processes that you've got? I mean, to, don't you have up. like a finger scan and all that? I'll, I'll go blow it up. I'll, I'll figure it out. It's my truck at that point. And I got away with it. So I'll, I'll figure that out. I'll hire a guy. I'll, I'll, in fact, the brings guy, Rob, I'll say, I'll give you $50,000. You come with me. I'm not going to hurt you. You open the truck for me. I'll, I'll figure that part out. Yeah, I, got news, like I, got news, I, I got news for you. If you tell a guy, hey, I've got this Brinks truck and I'll give you 50 grand to open it up, that guy's taking way more than that once it's open. Well, I'm going to shove him out the door and I'll go find somebody to blow it up for me. Well, I mean... Good God. That sounds like a fail-safe plan. All right. Uh, let's check in on, uh, for both of you, what have you been watching under quarantine? What's the newest thing on your radar? Skinny, did you finish Tiger King yet? I've not. I'm, I'm four episodes through. Uh, I've still got three, three more to go. So, uh, no, I, I, have not, I have not finished it. Have you watched uh, anything new? No. I, I, honestly, I stick to my guns. I've, I've got Flintstones from six to seven, MASH from seven to eight, and usually Ken Burns baseball comes on. And by that time, I'm about half in the bag, and I go to sleep. What a life. <laughs> Jed, what about you? Uh, this this week in particular, I've been watching uh, old uh, final rounds of the Masters. I watched uh, 85 a couple days ago. Curtis Strange's collapse in 85 doesn't get enough credit. Um, I was watching 1987 last year. Um, you know, at night, my my wife is big on the uh, the Voice and American Idol, which. I don't know why we're watching that because I know at some point the, the, those shows go live in front Ma of the Mass Singer, man. The Mass Singer. <laughs> Mass Singer, believe it or not, was on ESPN The Street last, last week. I, I, hopefully oh, it's on this week too. I, and I picked correctly. So I, I feel good about that. I kept my streak alive. Yeah, I did enjoy that. I mean, that, that's going to be the way that, that uh, American Idol and The Voice have to, have to finish the season. Masks of some sort, I would think, but – and, and thanks to my cable provider, I'm getting Showtime on demand, so you can always put Showtime uh, after dark on anytime you feel like doing that too. Hey so there's always that to watch. Yeah, there's always nice. that. Uh, I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised by um, the Sinner. Or whoa, uh, I just woke up Alexa on my phone. I could turn that <laughs> down a bit. Um, yeah, I, the, I, Sinner or the Sinner, I'm not sure, but it's got Jessica Biel in it, so that's always I like Jessica Biel, a, a good yeah. thing. And uh, it was actually a, a decent show as well. So check out Sinner on uh, Netflix. All right. If you could choose one sport and only one sport to come back for good, what sport would you choose? For good? Yeah. No, no other sport is ever going to come back. You just get to bring one of them back for all time's sake. I'm going golf. What? I'm going golf. Okay. I'm going golf. I, yeah. That's ridiculous. Really? Well, because I can, play, I can still play golf. Okay, but you can play any sport you want. We're just talking about like the professionals. We don't care what you do in your spare time. 
I mean, as a basketball coach, I guess I'd go basketball because it would uh, give me a, a chance to keep coaching. Like, thank you for being a little bit reasonable with that answer. Now, yeah. if, I, if I say football, do I get college in the NFL or do I have to pick one of those? Yeah, see, th- see I think that's the reason it has to be um, – I'm, I'm choosing the pro. sport on the whole. You get all levels. So that's why it has to be basketball or football because you get college and pro. I, I mean, it would be football for me, especially when you throw it in high school. Um, you know, I think high school football in Cincinnati is second to none. So that would that would tip the scales for me. Yeah, for me, it's basketball without question. That's that's an easy one. And um, I will tell you, it would not be auto racing because, quite frankly, that eye racing man, I, I'd rather watch that than regular auto racing. That stuff's fascinating. <laughs> I like the I like the old dudes getting pissed off at the I game and turning it off and quitting. It's man just lost like your, it's just like your five-year-old brother. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yep, and then he lost the sponsorship on top of it. Good for him. All right, I, I really like this next question, actually. Who is the best coach you've watched in Cincinnati, regardless of sport? In, in parentheses, they have Sparky Anderson, Marvin Lewis, Brian Kelly, et cetera. I guess to emphasize that they're saying it could be any sport, any level, whatever. Who is the best all-time coach that you've seen in the city of Cincinnati? Ooh, boy, that, that is a great one. Yeah, um, interesting question. Boy, he was such a conceited little blank head. But I'll tell you what, Brian Kelly did at UC is just incredible to me. Um, he was a whirlwind. I, I remember for a one second day, I thought you were going to say Cronin. I was going to reach through the <laughs> screen and smack. The <laughs> I, I should have done you. that. Ju- I should have done that just for you, um, yeah. Carl Kramer. How about if I go Carl Kramer just for you for GCL South? <laughs> I mean, Carl Kramer is a pretty good coach. Carl's a damn uh, good coach, actually. Yes, from what yeah. I hear. Carl, Carl is a very good coach. He just plays I just a think, different sport than I enjoy. Brian Brian was not here long, but I mean, he just he he flipped the script on everything, man. He really did. I I I I can't think of another coach that did that. I mean, as great of a manager as Sparky Anderson was, we can also agree he had ridiculous talent. Um, you know, Paul Brown to do what he did in such a short period of time. Um, no, hold you know, on. You always do this. You go and you name all the good answers I, and take okay. ours away. Why don't you just I'm so, I'm stop after I'll, your answer and let us answer, and then you can name all the guys we forgot. Um, okay, I'll go Bron Basevich, old football coach. No, I'll go, I'll go Brian Kelly. All right. Jed? Um, I, I, I think maybe I'll go – I think a guy that's done a really good job, an incredible job in Cincinnati is Tom Bolden. Uh, his streak at Coleraine, I mean, however many consecutive, you know, GMC games and, and, and 1,243. I mean, he was, he is just, you know, he is in a, in a, in a high school football landscape in, in, um, you know, in, in a, in, I think one of the best cities for high school football to have that type of dominance at the division one level, uh, I think is, is incredible. I mean, I think I think you probably throw Jerry Faust in, in the mix for for his his run at, at Moeller. I, I guess I'm just trying to think of maybe. Is Mary all over? I love Blitz Mary. I love Notre Dame. Is Tom Bolden better than Chad Brendel's uncle, Kerry Combs? Kerry Combs. Kerry Combs has a title. Tom Bolden does not. And he coached at UC, like not as the and, head coach, but and he and he coached on a playoff team in Tennessee this past year. Well, that's not Cincinnati, but yes, yeah. Kerry Combs is is one of those guys too. I mean, I mean, his he's just he's one of those guys. I think just based on the way he carries himself, a guy that you would run through a freaking brick wall for at any level of the sport. So yeah, he would he would be in the mix as well. I think it's. I mean, when you think, could you imagine that ever anything 
happening to the extent of uh, the idea that Jerry Faust went from Moeller to Notre Dame is one of the most mind-boggling things. I mean, can you imagine Carl Kramer? A lot of, just, a lot of, a lot of Notre Dame fans think that too, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and, and obviously, and obviously, it was a failed experiment. But uh, I can't think? think. I can't even think of of anything approaching that yeah, that's ever crazy. happening again. That Notre Dame, I love it. So I think my answer might surprise people, but I actually think it's it's pretty solid. I think Bob Huggins. Think Fair. about what he like. Granted, I know basketball was in a different time, but he made the Final Four in Conference USA. He made UC one of the most nationally nationally relevant programs in Conference USA. He had Kenyon Martin at UC while they were in Conference USA. Like the things that that man did, and the way he put UC on the map, and the way they were just cool, and they had the Jordan jerseys and all of that stuff. I mean, I know that's not exactly uh, has to do everything to do with his coaching, but it does because a lot of the reason all those things were going on for UC at that time was because of the respect and the attention that Bob Huggins demanded. And um, and not to mention, he was a hell of a coach. I mean, just obviously getting UC to a Final Four is, is yeah, just that's, that's, It's that's crazy good. to think that they would do that now. I have one more, though, actually, and, I, and I'm serious about this. I, I, he's, he'd be in my top five. Kenny Shields who was a great high school coach at Highlands High School in basketball and kind of made that jump to coach college basketball and got to two national championship games. That's pretty good. That's a damn good point. You're not going to get any argument from me on that one. Yeah, he's a good dude on top of it. Great dude. Yeah, you could throw a couple of Highlands coaches in there. <laughs> yeah, Mueller. yeah, so. Yeah, but uh, this Kenny jumping up and joining it at the college level too and, and bringing NKU to, to where they were at, it, even though it was Division Two at the time, is still – unbelievable as well all right moving on skinny what are some things you're most looking forward to when if the pandemic subsides and we go back to something approximating regular life and the follow-up is are there things we can't do currently that you've realized you don't miss at all no going to a bar and having a beer with people and shooting the bull i mean yeah that's it right i mean i mean yeah being on a patio drinking right correct i mean uh, this this past weekend we had a couple really nice days i mean i sat out back on my patio by myself that was a lot of fun i mean yeah i i no i think the social interaction part of it going to a bar and, and and hanging out um you know going to a restaurant with with other people and hanging out i think that's the that's the easy answer for me I'm 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 looking forward to maybe uh, you know social courtesies potentially being reset. Um, you know, like when you're when you're standing in line uh, for food or a drink, and or like at the gas station if you're going in and, and grabbing something. You know, people having their method of payment ready to go as opposed to just trying to dig it out of their pocket when the uh the cashier says it'll be seven dollars or eight dollars and now See, I'm, I'm, I'm i'm big loose change guy I, i'm a big loose change guy god bless you america and, you and pete carroll um <laughs> but uh no i just i i think sort of i I'm, I'm hopeful that once everything comes back people won't take it for granted and i know that they will but just sort of just the common courtesy that sometimes in daily interaction that, that just kind of goes by the wayside. Uh, I'm hoping that will, will come back. So I was actually kind of a big handshake guy. 
I, uh, I'm a huge I, handshake I, I, guy. I, I, I think that's going by the wayside. I like a solid handshake. Me too. I'm, I'm a dat master. I'm, you know, I'm one of the few white guys who I feel like doesn't get <laughs> caught up looking awkward when m- moving between races and dapping people up. Like I'm very comfortable <laughs> in my dap game. At the same time, I found that I'm not missing the, those brief interactions you have with people. Instead of, you know, kind of leaning in, getting a hug, lingering, feeling like you got to sit there and talk to someone for an extra minute and a half. It's kind of that like, shout from 10 feet away and just keep it moving type deal that's going on now. Like we, we've been doing walks around the neighborhood. I've seen a few people I, I know and it's, it's nice not to have them come up and, and shake hands and then have to sit there and talk for two minutes about God knows what, because we yeah, don't it's really a, know each other. It's, it's right now. It's the head nod. How you doing? You really don't care how they're doing. You just need to say it. They say their piece, they move on, you move on and you're right. Neither the twain shall meet. I like it. Yeah. It's I've kind of enjoyed that. I don't mean to sound like antisocial or like a jerk. Cause that's not it, but like, no, I, but you are. Well, yeah, but like I used to really like the the handshake game, and now I'm like, eh, I'm not missing it. I'm really not. Yeah, it, it's. I mean, I am a huge handshake. I, I I probably overly shake hands. I shake hands with just about everybody. But um, I, I did see Doctor Fauci said that he doesn't think we should ever shake hands again. Yeah, I know. I saw that, and I gotta say, I'm not entirely against that. Man, that's, I don't that's know. that'll be uh, one less thing I have to teach my son, my my newborn son, is how to you know give a proper handshake. That's always like the one. You know, that's like in a country song, like everyone always talks about how important it is to be able to look somebody in the eye and give them a handshake. I don't have to worry, you know, you know, on the, on the list of things I've got to teach him that that'll be uh, down the list or completely off the list. It's a good point. It's the things you worry about once you have children, I guess. Um, This, this question I think Jed will be happy about. If you've been watching Governor Mike DeWine's daily briefings on the coronavirus, then you've probably noticed Marla Berkowitz. She's one of the sign language interpreters working in the briefings. And according to the Carroll County Board of Developmental Disabilities, she's the only certified deaf interpreter in Ohio. There's actually another interpreter in the crowd who signs to her, and then she relays it back to the crowd and cameras. She's known for her facial expressions, which are critical to sign language as they convey context, emotion, motive, and reason. What do you guys have on Mike DeWine sign language interpreter, Marla Berkowitz? Well, I, I didn't know her name, so I'm glad of that because now I can put a name to the, to the face I see every day. I love her. I, 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 this is so bad. I mean, she could be no, – she, she, if you didn't know any better and know the things that you just said, and I, I knew the, the, that she was deaf and all those things – she would be a Saturday Night Live skit. There is no doubt in my mind. If you saw that, that is a complete and utter Saturday Night Live skit. Kate McKinnon is going to do her at some point. There's no question in my mind. I, I, don't, I don't know if that's, that's appropriate. I, I don't know. And I, yeah, this I, is why we haven't talked about this before, because I feel totally inappropriate laughing about this. No, it's funny. I, <laughs> it I is just, funny. When I, when I found out she was deaf, I, I think my head like somewhat exploded to, to think about how is she signing if she can't hear? And that's kind of the one thing the sign language interpreter has to be able to, to do is, is to hear so that Allegedly. you can relay it to those who cannot. And well, don't the, don't the facial expressions, I mean, in all seriousness, I would think they, that usually you do that based on the tone of voice of the person you're listening to, right? right? If they show some emotion, if they sound down, if they ha- are upbeat, I th- that, that well, to me would, would be what leads to some of the facial expressions. The I tell you what. you can't hear that is amazing. It apparently isn't an issue for her because she is extracting some oh, serious no emotion out of DeWine. I'm not seeing that type of emotion out of DeWine, the type of emotion that she's given us. She is an so electric say, I, 
I just can't wait to find out that the the sign language interpreter in the in the gallery that's signing to her is blind. That would be oh, really geez. next level. Wow. I will say, have you seen the guy that does uh, that does the Cincinnati ones, the the big beard guy? Yeah. He he's 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 got it going on too. I'm kind of impressed with his face. I'm telling you that the two of them could be a Saturday Night Live skit. I'm gonna I'm, I may in fact you know what in my downtime I may have to write one for them. Well, you yeah, all right. I've, sign language interpreter power rankings. Here we go. Yeah. Um. She's number one. I do have two questions about this though. I, one, I'd like to know the delay in yes. what we're getting. Like, how far behind her? She's two how, days behind. Yeah, she's how, telling you what happened two days ago. Yeah. How far is she behind Mike Dewine? Considering someone else is having to sign it to her and then she's signing it. That seems like a kind of a long process for yeah, something I, I need in real time. I and, watched yesterday. I think she was doing Fridays yesterday. And two, like, I don't mean to be a jerk because I'd argue that this lady is as good at her job as anyone in the country right now. But, like, is she hired by the government? And if so, like, she don't you have to hire a second person if you hire her? So, like, what they do? A two Incredibly inefficient. Two for one discount because she has disabilities. If so, that's problematic. And if not, then like, uh, I don't know if we should really be spending that on during a pandemic. I don't know. It's probably not for me to say. I'll just be happy to continue watching her because she's doing a hell of a job. She's doing the, a hell the, of a job. The other, the other question I have is: is are these sign language interpreters getting Dewine's speech ahead of time to sort of review how many times they're going to have to touch their face? <laughs> Because DeWine should be keeping face touching to a minute. I mean, what a minimum. Alchie yeah, wouldn't like to, it. To a very minimum. So if there's a word, you know, you need to get the thesaurus out and figure out a way to, to not put these sign language interpreters at risk. What, are, what is her name again? Marla what? Berkowitz. Berkowitz. Yeah. Berkowitz. Marla Berkowitz. Mm -hmm. Fascinated uh, by her. All right. Uh, Skinny, what's one of your most embarrassing moments that you still think about to this day? Do you have any of uh, the flashback to you constantly? Yeah, there's one. It was a, it was a going away party for me back. Uh, <laughs> I worked at a weekly newspaper back in my early twenties, right out of college. And I got a job at a daily newspaper. So they love the way this is starting. They threw a going away party for me. And, um, we started drinking a little too early that day and we were drinking tequila, which I'm, I can drink tequila in like a, a margarita, but we were doing tequila shots and that's not good. So we were at a, a Chi Chi's restaurant, which no longer exists. There was a Chi Chi's on Mall Road in Florence. And we went there after we did all this drinking for a happy hour where more people were going to join in. And I went to the restroom wearing a pair of khaki pants and came out of the restroom and there was one small issue. I never pulled my fly down. So kind of came out with a big wet spot on the front of my khaki pants, proceeded to see a basketball coach I knew from Campbell County, Bob Jones. I looked at him. I said, Coach Jones. And he just looked at me with just this disgusted look on his face. And I looked down and realized, yep, forgot to put the fly down. So there you go. Can happen to the best of us. Uh, Jed, what about you? Any stories that stand out? Um, yeah, a couple. And they're, they're sports-related. We, we played in, a, in, in high school. I didn't play on the high school basketball team, but we played in like a church league. It was like a midnight league. And we were in the championship. And – I had four free throws in the final uh, probably 30 seconds of the game. And if I would have made one of the four, we would have, uh, we would have won. Did you hit that, the rim uh, on any of them? <laughs> I did hit the rim, but uh, I, I, I still get crap to that to this day. The Skin other thing was – Hold on. We hold on a second, Jed. Skinny, yeah. do you want me to tell him or do What's you that? want to – 
Which, Jed, which you one? should practice your free throws when you're tired. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I forgot. Yeah, Jed, you probably didn't understand that because you weren't playing on an organized team, per se. Yeah. Uh, if you had a real coach, they would have they would have taught you how to shoot free throws when you're tired because that's the way you got to yeah. do it. Yeah. And that, you know, I, I needed a Camp Cal or, or some sort of uh, intervention there to, uh, to to figure that out. The other one that, that I still get crap for from my best friend in the world is when we were playing football and we were seniors, we were playing Kent McKinley at – Fawcett Stadium, and now it's Tom Benson Memorial Field. Um, but we we came out for the initial warmups, and Bon Jovi. This is 2002, so that Bon Jovi "It's My Life" song was huge, and so it was blaring or whatever. And I said to the entire team as we were in this kind of the stretch line, I said, "Do you guys hear that? This is our life. If you guys aren't fired up." Just go and get back on the bus and go home. And <laughs> this was like, all right, Captain like, America. <laughs> this was at this was at five o'clock, you know, for a seven thirty kick, and everyone just stared at me like, "What?" And my coach came up and said, "Why don't you go back on the bus for a little bit until you can like collect yourself?" <laughs> I was say, I could hear no, a complete he team going, "Shut up, Debussy." <laughs> No, he didn't. Did your coach really say that? I love that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was he was joking, but it was it was pretty funny. And now, like any time we get together, like at my buddy's wedding, he played "It's My Life," you know, for just like the first few seconds to give me a hard time. But I'll never forget the entire team just looking at me like, "What are what is wrong with you?" Like, if you're not fired up for this wedding, get back in the limo. <laughs> That's incredible! Wow. How about, how about like you, that. Roaring? Uh, you know, mine doesn't really stack up to either of those as well, but one that I just always think about, it's kind of small and the person who it happened with probably doesn't, probably never thought about it again. But one time it was like, uh, I would say mid twenties, like right after college. And so I'm broke at the time, whatever. And I got a friend who is bartending at, uh, uh, I won't say the name of the bar, but a local bar in Northern Kentucky that you're familiar with skinny. And, um, so she's feeding familiar me with a lot of them. Well, I know. And that's why I didn't name it. She's feeding me free drinks anyway. And, uh, the, the whole idea is like, you know, it's free. I don't say anything, but just kind of like at the end, just slip out or whatever. And, uh, so I was trying to like be sly and tipper at the end too. Right. To, and th- this is not like a, a, a love interest or anything. We were totally just friends. Um, so it makes it better in that regard, but I like try to be sly and pull out uh, a, like a dollar, uh, um, you know, money out of my pocket and, and set it on the bar to her like slide, just be like, yeah, there's a little something, you know, don't make a big deal. So people don't see it. And it was a $1 bill. Oh, <laughs> After I drank about well, $70, $80 worth of alcohol, I handed out $1 bill. So I walk out, I thought it was a 10. I walk out and, and I'm on the street and I look at, I see I had a 10 in my pocket and I go, Oh, only had one of those bad boys in there. I think I just gave it a crumbled up one. So then I went back in and gave her like my bad, like I meant to give you this. She was like, "Oh, it's okay." Like if basically okay. like if you can't afford it, guy, just don't yeah. tip at all. <laughs> it's and, okay, cheapskate. Yeah, I think about that like to this day, almost every time I tip. Like, well, at I least just, at least you went back. Yeah, at least you went back. But it does it probably makes you double check now, right? To make sure oh, you tip the right amount. That that's exactly what I almost every time I tip now, I think about that time to be like, oh, I don't want to get this wrong again. Now, yeah, that's I, one I, thing you can't come back from. If you're that's a correct. bad tipper, like, that's correct. That sticks. Yeah, I don't like bad tippers. I'm I'm with you. I'm a twenty percent guy. At least. Uh, At least. All right. 
Okay, um, someone asked this, Skinny. I don't know if you saw the meme online, uh, af- but they said, after seeing Rick's trash fast food selections on the Twitter meme, what would be your top three fast food choices? I don't know if they want you to pick from the meme or if they just want your top three fast food overall. What do you want to do? I didn't see the meme. What was on the meme? Okay, so you had to choose three out of, I think it was like nine. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick here. Well, Taco Bell has to be on there. It was, it was on there. Yeah, Taco Bell has to be on okay. there. Um, I'd go Wendy's before I'd go any other hamburger joint. Okay, so that was definitely on there too. Hold on, I'm pulling it up. Here it is. It is uh, the nine restaurants are... Speedway Taco- gas station has to be on there, doesn't it? <laughs> no, it's not. Taco Bell, Popeye's. Don't sleep on that pizza. So this is weird because it's not all like total what I think of like fast food. It's Taco Bell, Popeyes, Chick-fil-A, Burger King, Subway, McDonald's, Arby's, Wendy's, and the kicker, Panda Express, which I was chastised for including on mine. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I've only had Panda Express like twice because there's actually a, a, a place closer to us that I go to. Um it's something walk. It's all of them have some kind of walk name to it. So I don't do Pan Express enough, but yeah, I, 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 uh, I, I think I'd include Pan Express. I just don't have yeah. one close enough to me. I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Pan Express. I mean, orange chicken is better than anything is that's on this list from any of those other places. There's one on Houston road, I believe close, close there to me, but, the but, but, there's, to. but yeah, but there's one closer to me. There's a, there's a Chinese place closer to me. So that's yeah. the one I go to. Yeah, but Panda Express, I agree, is a little more like in the like Skyline Chipotle yes, category correct. than actual correct. fast food. Because if I'm going to like Taco Bell or McDonald's, I'm spending like a dollar fifty. Well, I'm going to Taco Bell. It's three in the morning for goodness sakes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, let, let's face facts. And uh, a lot of times, rolling out of a certain bar, there's a Wendy's close by that would always hit the spot for me. So I, I, on that meme, I'm going to go with those three. Although I'm a big Arby's fan. I love me some Arby's. Really? So you're I going to Taco honestly, Bell, I, Wendy's, I, Panda? I, I could literally open a packet of horsey sauce and just eat it. That's weird. I would probably God is my witness. That. Uh, so what, what are you on? Taco Bell, Wendy's, Panda? Yes, on those choices, yes. Okay, Jed, where, where are you at on that? I, I think I'm going Taco Bell. See, the thing about, the thing about Wendy's that I, I, I like Wendy's, but the best thing on their menu is the spicy chicken sandwich, and it's maybe the third best chicken sandwich on this best thing on their menu is a frosty bud yep (laughs) well both of you are right i'm I'm going i'm going to see i'm going taco bell and arby's so i've I've Mm. got my jamocha shake covered i'm a little bit shocked by all the love for arby's who love arby's yeah i love me some arby's 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 and taco bell are 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 definitely on the list and then that third pick they've got the meat i I think i'd have to pick between wendy's and chick-fil-a um chick-fil-a's too cliche but the sauce, the Chick-fil-A sauces is great. at Chick-fil-A is, is, are good. Oh, you can't go wrong with Chick-fil-A. Don't get me wrong. It's always wholesome, and, and it's always put together very nicely, but it's – Yeah. Shout yeah. out to our guy, Rick Meyer, a daily Chick-fil-A goer. Really? How about, yeah, I did not know morning. that part of it. Yeah. yeah. You, that's, you're that's you're, saying, you're saying you like the shame associated with going to a Wendy's? That's part of the experience? <laughs> <laughs> no question. <laughs> no question. I, I'm Taco Bell Popeye's Panda. I like Popeyes. I could, I could, I just don't go to it enough. It's just Popeyes not close is enough. Elite. Get, 
Yeah, it's not, it's not close enough. Again, I, I, I like things that are convenient to me. You, get, you can do spicy chicken tenders, which are great. You can do mashed potatoes, which are great. And they've got the new chicken sandwich, which is the best chicken sandwich going. I so, still have not had it. That's what everybody alleges. Popeye's is <laughs> elite on this list. I think they'd probably be the most important one that I have to keep. I can't believe neither of you had them on there. Taco Bell is just a staple. I mean, just it's so solid. It's, it's the cheapest. No it's it, the most yeah. solid. It's all the same stuff, so you can't go wrong. Yeah, and, it's not uh, real meat. It's not real meat, and we don't care. No, I mean, it's just meat, <laughs> cheese, beans, and uh, some meat. other it's, random it's, ingredient. It's, it's a concoction that's supposed to be look like meat, but it's not. we know it's not meat. It's something. It's, it's not meat. I'm fine with that. I'm um, fine with it. Oh, it's a, it always hits the spot. Yeah, and then Panda Express, a little double orange chicken is the way to go. I think those are solid choices. People are mad at me for that. I don't. They're always mad at me for something. I well, that, that gets because you're easy. You, you have a punchable face, as you know. Yep, yep, I've heard that. Um, all right. Though this one is uh, has been kind of ongoing Twitter as we've been doing this podcast, but I'll throw it in here to wrap it up. On Thursday, the Athletic posted a state of the program survey for Xavier. In it was a multiple choice question at the end that read as follows: Someday you'd love to see these fellows exchange Christmas cards. The options were J.P. Makira and McCronin, Nancy <laughs> Gates and Kenny Freeze, Rick Broering and Steve Wojciechowski. Is it possible that I have a top three beef in Xavier basketball? Wow, that's interesting. Apparently, you do. I I I feel a lot of respect from Shannon Russell for including that in the. That's that's, that's actually. I, I know you. I knew you didn't like Wojo. I didn't realize your your hatred was to the point of being included in one of the top three feuds of all time. I I appreciate that she thinks his hatred. She finally recognizes that his hatred for me and his. I mean, his just overall awareness of me is so much that it should be included in here because guys like Brian Snow try to denounce that fact. And in reality, it's pretty, it's a pretty big deal. He really cares about me. Apparently he does. I irk him. Well, uh, man. I get his Would little you... Trumpian fist shaken when he's at that podium. Do you think he'll send you a Christmas? Have you sent him a Christmas card before? Just a couple nudes. Jeez Louise. That's all I need to know right there. Uh, I, I like, I, I, I like that question. That's I, I like you being included in that. That cracks me up. Yeah. I was a, a bit shocked. I, I honestly felt honored and I, I appreciate the uh, respect from Shannon Russell. You know what you should do? You, you know what you need you to do? Be, I think you guys would be able to exchange Christmas cards and, and kind of move on. I think those other two scenarios, you know, I think if JP McCurra ever sent McCronin a Christmas card, like that would be a big problem. Yeah, and that would probably I mean, I, have it, coronavirus and stuff. I was just saying, it'd probably be cyanide laced. <laughs> right. So, I, you know, I think I and would. Yancey I, Gates and Kenny Freeze really don't care about each other that much. I well, might, I have, think, the, I, I might I have see the top them, beef in Xavier basketball. Yeah, I could see them exchanging Christmas cards, but, but, but each of them sends one to the other saying, I'll see you on, on Main Street at 3 30, okay? Uh, right. Like those two have yeah. been playing uh, uh, grab ass for a couple <laughs> decades now. I mean,. I, you know what you need to do now? You need to you need to secretly take a picture with Wojciechowski the next time he's in town, next time Marquette comes in, and then send that to Shannon. All right, I can it, do that. Is, is slapping the floor going to go the way of the handshake? You probably can't afford to get your hands dirty on that. You know, that, that's that, a good point. Oh, Woj is going to have to re- rethink that concept. Not very health aware. Nope. I've always like said it. that. Doesn't like care it. about his players. Never has. <laughs> players program. That's why they're just running in and out of there. He I'm recruits glad- them well, but they leave just as soon as they show up. And Rick, I'm I mean, glad your guy Dave Lato's back. Oh, what you- about that guy getting an extension? He extension. is my idol. It's incredible. It's the most that, incredible thing I've ever seen. That dude gets paid more money to, to lose. be worse at his job. Like he, yes. he regresses, and he gets paid more. 
It's incredible. Through 23-24, I believe. Scott, I Scott, love that guy. I do too. Second when, stint. Second. Second. He, how about how many coaches get a chance to have two failed stints at the same school? It's it's unbelievable. And, and Brian Snow, who he doesn't say a lot of smart things, but once gave me some really wise advice, and he said to keep expectations low with work and women. And it, it turns out that actually is pretty good advice. And Dave Laidow is the perfect example of that. I mean, he has kept expectations so low at DePaul that they think he's doing a good job. They think he's doing a great job. Yeah, they're just like, we're still in the Big East. Sounds good to us. Yep, and we're still Take in last that place. Job. That's all we need. That's what we need. We'll build you a new arena. You need a raise? Well, sure. <laughs> we'll sign you for another three years. What's 2030? You know, Rick, you talk about collusion all the time in the Big East. Do you think – Xavier, knowing that the Big East tournament wasn't going to be completed, kind of allowed DePaul to win so that Leto would get an extension. I mean, Ooh, that's a good call. Man, I don't know. That's a big risk if you're Travis Steele. I don't know if he was as secure in his, his – job. but, you know, Steele probably knows I've got at least two more years to get this right. I've got a couple good recruiting classes coming in. We're going to be okay as long as Dave Ladow doesn't <laughs> – as long as DePaul doesn't pass us up. <laughs> as long so, as he's still in the league, they're going to be in last. So, yeah, yeah you great. know what? You can win this game just because. Yeah, maybe. Damn, I didn't really think about that, but I think you're onto something there. I think you Travis, just truth or Travis Steele, Travis Steele, controlling what he can control, making sure that coaches who That's aren't good point. stay in place. I mean, Steele's a better coach than we thought. I'll say that. Very think, wise uh, decision. Yeah, he deserves some respect. All right, I think that does it, Skinny. All right, good deal, Jed Musi. Thanks for being with us, Rick Boring. Thanks to you. I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for listening. This has been the Skinny Podcast, the weekly potpourri edition.